Good morning, Cornerstone family and friends. It is good to be together. We are in the third week of this online church experience and uh, learning together and growing together. And I'm just praying that uh, this morning in this service, you will be continued, uh, you will continue to be encouraged and strengthened uh, and that God would speak. It can be so easy in moments like this to miss this, to miss the chance that right now in this moment, we have the chance to read from God's word, to hear from him, to hear his word for you right now, his good word, his powerful word, his sharp word. And so I just want to encourage you, as we get, prepare ourselves to read Scripture, that you would prepare your hearts. Right now, if you have a Bible, I'd encourage you to grab that and go to uh, Mark chapter 9. If you have a phone, you can follow along or follow along on the screen. And then in tradition, in, in our cornerstone tradition, I would just invite you to stand with me for the reading of Scripture. We're going to be reading from Mark chapter 9, uh, verses 2 and on. At the end of the sermon, at the end of the reading, uh, I, I, we have a tradition also of saying, this is the word of the Lord. And I just encourage you to say, thanks be to God in return after the reading. It says this. And after six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John, and he led them up a high mountain by themselves, and he was transfigured before them, and his clothes became radiant, intensely white, as no one on earth could bleach them. And there appeared to them Elijah and Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. And Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good that we are here. Let us make three tents. One for you, and one for Moses, and one for Elijah. For he did not know what to say, for they were terrified. And the cloud overshadowed them, and a voice came out of the cloud. This is my beloved son. Listen to him. And suddenly, looking around, they no longer saw anyone with them but Jesus only. And as they were coming down the mountain, he charged them to tell no one what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. So they kept the matter to themselves, questioning what this rising from the dead might mean. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let me have a seat. And would you pray with me? Lord, Holy Spirit, as we read these scriptures together, as we reflect on these times, God, I just ask that you speak. That these words that we read, your spirit would illuminate them. That you would open up the eyes of our hearts to see what you would want us to see that we would listen and that we would hear and that our listening and our hearing would produce action and response in us, Lord. And Lord, I just pray for your peace, for your peace in the chaos, for your peace 
in the midst of all the questions, we just invite you into all of this and we trust you to speak into our circumstances. I pray, Lord, that you would protect me from saying anything that is not from you. That you would give us a focus together to hear from you in this moment. So we trust you. And we look forward to what you would say. We pray together in the name of Jesus, our Savior and our Lord. Amen. So this morning, as I was thinking about this sermon, or this week, as I was reflecting on this text, and so excited meeting with the teaching team and thinking about what this means for us in the midst of these times, in the midst of having to come together uh, online and everybody uh, sheltering in place, and just the fear of, of just this virus. I was so encouraged, and I'm so excited for this. And what I really, right away, the first time I read this thinking about the sermon, I circled and starred this part of the passage when Jesus, actually when God tells the disciples, listen to him. I wonder if I was to ask you right now, what, what are you listening to these days? What are you listening to? For some of us, maybe, uh, I know for me, uh, my family is listening to the Marco Polo app. It's like this cool like video chat deal where we have all of our family and our community group is in another one and, and we take videos about what we're doing. And it's a way to kind of stay connected and talk to each other and be goofy. Um, and my kids discovered that you can do an effect with like the helium that's really fun. And so uh, we've been messing around with that. We also... Uh, uh, I know for me, uh, I, I've been watching on the news and on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, everything that's going on. Uh, for some people, it's on Instagram. Some people are TikToking. Uh, whatever it may be, uh, we are all listening to different voices. But most of our listening is actually coming from what we're looking at. Most of our listening is coming through our screens, through our televisions. And, and, and a lot of what we're listening to is fear. A lot of what we're listening to are stories. A lot of what we're thinking about is creating more questions and anxiousness. And then in all of this, if you're watching here, if you're a Christian, there's also this question as we've been digging into this and listening to all these voices is this question of why should I listen to Jesus in these scary times? Why should I listen to Jesus right now? Where is he? You're telling me, Pastor Logan, I know the point of this sermon is listen to Jesus. Why? Why should I listen to Jesus when I am sheltering in place all by myself, lonely? When I can't even see my grandchildren, my children, when I'm constantly going and I'm working because I'm a nurse and, I, and I'm constantly putting myself and my family at risk going there or I can't even see my own children, or maybe being sick, or maybe even why should I listen to Jesus when I'm losing all of my money, my job, my career, the, the prices in my industry have dropped. I don't even know how I'm going to pay my bills. Why should I listen to Jesus? People are dying. Like this is very real. 
And in the midst of all this, there's this lament in us, this, these questions where we cry out to God and we simply say, why? And I wonder even, should I truly listen to you? Where are you? And I think that this passage is going to help us with this question today because you see, these questions that we have, these unknowns, these, these questions about our own safety are questions that the very readers and the authors of this book of Mark knew. As we talked about it, the book of Mark was written by Mark as he was listening to Peter, the Apostle Peter, tell him this story. And at the time of this reading, most likely Peter was probably on trial and about to be executed, or he was just executed for his faith in Jesus. And so the reader here is wondering, Peter, the author here, he died for this cause. Why? Why did he listen? Why was he so convinced that Jesus was true, that Jesus was the Son of God, that everything Jesus said really did happen, that he was willing to die, that he was willing to write this down and sign his name to that? Why did he listen to Jesus? And I think in this passage that we're reading today, we can get some insights into this question. I think if we answer the question of why the disciples listened to Jesus, it can also speak into why I should listen to Jesus. And this passage comes right after the passage we read last week where, Jesus, where Peter declared that Jesus was the Christ and then he kind of got corrected a little bit in trying to tell Jesus how to do things because we learned that Jesus said, I came to die so that you could live. And in light of that, right after this passage, it goes straight into this account that we call the transfiguration. And here in verses two through three, we see that it's interesting, Mark, in the gospel of Mark, it is a constant movement. There's not a lot of timing. You don't see a lot of language of there were six days and two days. It's like, as you read through Mark, it's like this happened, bang, and then this happened, bang, and then this happened, bang. And then all of a sudden, as you're reading it, all of a sudden, Mark says, and after six days, this is really important, and we're going to get to that in a few minutes here. But it tells us that after six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John. Interestingly enough, Peter, James, and John wrote most of the New, Te New Testament, along with the Apostle Paul, who had a similar encounter like this. So th Jesus took them with them because he wanted to spend some time teaching them and speaking into them and showing them something really important. And it says that he led them up a high mountain by themselves. And at this mountain, something incredible happened. These three dudes got to see Jesus transfigured before them. And his clothes became radiant, intensely white, as no one on earth could bleach them. In this moment, they got to see Jesus, the Son of God, in all his glory. The Greek here for transfigured relates to metamorphosis, like a caterpillar. 
like a caterpillar coming out into a wonderful, beautiful butterfly. And in this moment, they got to see the very presence, the glory of Jesus transfigured, and his glory was terrifying and wonderful all at the same time. And right here, as they're looking at Jesus, it tells us that they also see his purity, his perfection, his robes were the purest of white. Nobody else could create this. This was his deity, fully God, yet in the shell of a man, fully God, fully man, and they saw this. And I think this is the first point here. As we think about this question, why did the disciples listen to Jesus? Why did they write all this down? Why did 11 of the 12 die for this as martyrs? And why should they listen to Jesus? First, because they beheld his glory. They saw his glory. They saw his power. In John 1.14, he writes about this. He was one of the guys that were there, and John, uh, he wrote a gospel account himself, and he said, and the word became flesh, and we beheld his glory. He's writing about, we beheld the glory of the Son of God. This was so impacting on him. And so they beheld his glory. They needed to see his power. They needed to see his transcendence to speak in to their perplexities, to speak in to their struggles. They beheld his glory. But it wasn't just about beholding his glory. Also, you see some other characters enter the scene. This is fascinating. It says, and at this moment, they see Jesus in all his glory. And then right after that, there appeared to them Elijah with Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. And Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good that we are here. This is awesome. Let us make three tents, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. For he did not know what to say. And in typical Peter fashion, when he doesn't know what to say, he speaks. For they were terrified. And in that moment, maybe you ask yourself, why? Why did Elijah and Moses show up? Like, these are Old Testament dudes. We've already, more Moses? We just spent 20 weeks in Exodus talking about this. Well, the purpose of having Elijah and Moses show up here is because God himself wanted the disciples to know not only to see his glory, but also that they would understand, they, that they understood his place in the story, Jesus' place in the story. He wanted them to know that Jesus was the greater Moses, the greater Elijah. He was the one that Moses, who wrote the law, wrote about the one who completed the law. He was the one who Elijah prophesied about, who Elijah prepared for. And, if, and, and, and there's a, it's interesting here. If you go to the last verses of the Old Testament, 
that the people have been waiting for in Malachi chapter 4, verses 4 through 6. We're going to see together why Elijah and Moses came. There was this prophecy to the people about the one who would come, the Messiah who would come to make all things right. And these are the last verses of the Old Testament, the last words of God to his people until the arrival of Jesus. And look at what it says. Remember the law of my servant Moses, the statutes and rules that I commanded him at Horeb for all Israel. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes, and he will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. You see, there was, uh, Malachi was prophesying that they would prepare a way for Jesus to come, and Jesus was the greater Moses. There are echoes of the Moses account. If you remember back in the Exodus story, when Moses came and got the law from God, he went up a mountain. And actually, before he went up the mountain to get the law, he, he spent six days preparing. Why do you think Mark said it took six days to prepare? When Moses went up the, went up the mountain, he brought three men with him. Jesus brought three men with him. When Moses went up the mountain, it said that the glory of God, as it was speaking into him and giving him the law, Moses' face reflected the glory and it shined. God's glory shined, reflecting off of Moses where he had to wear a veil over his face. And the only difference here is that for Jesus, he was not reflecting the glory of God. The glory of God was coming out of him because he was the glory of God. And so God wants his disciples to know not only, not only that they would be beheld his glory, but also that they understood Jesus' place in the story. That Jesus is the hero of the story. That Jesus is the purpose and the end, the beginning and the end of the story. That this story is about him coming to rescue them. And it's hard sometimes to truly grasp that. But I imagine there's so much more about Moses and Elijah that we could talk about. Our teaching team went nuts and all the connections with John the Baptist. And, but, but I truly think that to summarize it, God just wanted them to understand Jesus' place in the story. He wanted them to understand that the entire Old Testament is to prepare us for Jesus. And that Jesus is all throughout the Old Testament. I love in this verses as we read this that Jesus was talking with them. That he had a relationship with Moses and Elijah. It wasn't like they were like, oh Jesus, uh, I'm Moses, I'm, I'm, I'm Elijah. Jesus knew them because he was there with them. And, and, and the Greek is like they had a long conversation and in Luke he also records this account. He tells us that they were talking about Jesus' exodus and preparing him. So there's this conversation, and so the disciples are watching, and so they're, they're understanding Jesus' place in the story. And just to make sure, though, Peter then, he's kind of confused, and so he says, well, let's build these tents, these tabernacles, so that we can hang out here. 
Because when Jesus, when Peter is confused, he just speaks. And then look at what happens. It says this, and a cloud in verse 7 overshadowed them, and a voice came out of the cloud. This is my beloved son. There it is. Listen to him. Listen to him. And suddenly looking around, they no longer saw anyone with them, but Jesus only. God wants them to see that all they need is Jesus. And he wants them to see that this glorious, transfigured being, the Son of God, is with them, and he wants them to listen. And Once again, we have this cloud show up. In Exodus, we know that when this cloud showed up, it represented God's grace. It represented his presence and his glory, and it overshadowed them. You see this language when it says that the virgin gave birth and the spirit overshadowed her. And all throughout the Exodus passages, we see this cloud that is guiding, that is providing shade to the people, that is providing light in the, in the darkness, that is providing heat in the cold. And God, this shadow is showing up and saying, listen to Jesus. And I imagine with those disciples, knowing all that they're in the middle of, what an important reminder. What an important reminder to me with all the questions I have. This is my son, the transfigured son. Listen to him. And then from this point, it says this, and as they were coming down the mountain, he charged them to tell no one what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. So they kept the matter to themselves, questioning what this rising from the dead might be. You see, Jesus didn't, he, he needed to die and resurrect before they shared this important truth because there's these two sides of the coin. There is the glory and majesty of Jesus, and then there's the suffering servant. And everybody struggled with this. They didn't understand the prophecies of Isaiah that said that he would come and he would be pierced for our transgressions and he would be the spotless lamb that would pay so that we could have atonement. They didn't understand this. They thought that he would come and defeat Rome. And so Jesus is saying also here is, is, is to not tell anyone and to recognize that, that he will have to suffer. Later on he says the Son of Man will have to suffer. In all this glory, he would need to die. And what I love here is the disciples, they're confused. They don't know the answer. They don't know what's ahead of them. They don't understand what is going on. But here's what they did. They chose trust over worry. They chose to trust Jesus' words over their worry. They chose to trust that God said, listen to him, and Jesus says, do this, walk this way, act this way, live this way, and they chose trust over worry. And as you think about this, as we think about them, 
As we ask this question, why did the disciples listen to Jesus? One, they beheld his glory. Two, they understood his place in the story. And finally, they chose trust over worry. This is what God is speaking to you and me right now in this moment. Right now in the midst of all of our questions, of all of our fears, Choose trust in Jesus over worry. You know, this week marks Holy Week. And this is the weirdest Holy Week I've ever been in. Normally we're getting so excited for Easter and having three times as many people and looking towards resurrection and preaching the resurrection and we're doing our Chachilla project and we're just, it's a million miles an hour. I just think for me and for us, God is wanting us once again to be reminded that we choose trust over worry. And let's not miss this chance to still reflect on this week. Pastor Doug, we were in our teaching team, and as we were reflecting on these three points, I just thought he really nailed it. He said, it seems like the disciples, they had a lot of questions, but it was like they were on one of those rope bridges. And all they knew was like, we just got to hold on. Just continue to hold on to Jesus. Continue to hold on to his words. And even though we have all these questions going on, we're going to continue to hold on to this. And after Jesus dies and resurrects, they continue to hold on. They continue to proclaim these truths. They continue to say, I believe, help my unbelief. All the things we've been talking about, they chose trust over worry. And we must ask those same questions as we read this, as we think about this passage. The same things are true for you me we must listen to him and the question is how how do i listen i get it logan listen but how how do we listen to him is he just gonna all of a sudden just speak out of the sky like like in this story do we got to go up a mountain good luck getting up a mountain you'll probably get arrested maybe not But how do we listen to him? Well, I think that Peter helps us in his letter in 2 Peter. He writes about this. And I think he he wrote about this exact encounter. And I want you to, if you have your Bibles, turn to 2 Peter chapter 1. This is so helpful. What I want you to understand is I think that the best way to listen to him is to pay attention to his glory. Just like the disciples beheld his glory, we got to pay attention to his glory. And for us, his glory is in his word, is in his revelation to us. If you don't believe me, just hear what Peter said. He said this. He was writing about why they wrote about the authority of the scriptures. And he said this, for we did not follow cleverly devised myths. When we made known to you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's talking about the writings of the New Testament. He says, but we were eyewitnesses to his majesty. He's talking about the exact story we just read. For when he received honor and glory from God the Father, and his voice was borne to him by the majestic glory and said, this is my beloved son. With him I am Well pleased, 
We ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven, for we were with him on the holy mountain. It's so interesting here. God shows them so much. They go up a mountain. They see Jesus in all his glory with their eyes. They see Moses and Elijah. They see the cloud overshadowing them. And then what happens? They hear the word of God. And when they hear the word of God, it says, listen to him, the one that you see. And they listened, and then they wrote. And what we read is what they wrote inspired by his word. And so when we read scripture, we are reading his words. And in light of that, look at verse 19. It says, and we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed to which you will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place. Some of us feel like we're in a pretty dark place right now. Until the day dawns and the morning star, we're going to look at that morning star later on, but the morning star is Jesus himself rises in your heart. Pay attention to his warning. And it seems to me that God speaks most profoundly to us in moments like this. In moments when everything is kind of breaking down. C.S. Lewis wrote about this. He wrote a book called The Problem of Pain and In his book, there's this quote from him. He tells us this. He says, God whispers to us in our pleasures. He speaks in our consciences, but shouts in our pain. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. And I believe with all my heart that God is shouting at us in our pain and our questions and saying, listen to me Read my word. I just want to encourage you, if you're thinking, how do I listen? Read Mark with us. Reflect on his word and ask God to speak into you. I truly believe, I know it's intimidating, but I truly believe that this is what we need. So pay attention to his glory, his word, but also Just like the disciples, reflect on his place in this story, in this time. Reflect, think about. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, the apostle Paul, who also had an account just like this on the road to Damascus, he said this, and we all with unveiled faces, remember the story of Moses and his face shining in the unveiled faces? He says, we have unveiled faces beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. There's something about our reflecting on what Jesus has done that he does that metamorphosis, that that changing in us. In Romans 12, it says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. In 2 Corinthians 5, 17, it says, anyone in Christ is a new creation. 
So there's this reflecting that I do as I think about what Jesus has done, as I think about his work on the cross, and I believe in that, and I trust in that, he continues to do a changing, transfiguring, metamorphosizing, if that's a word, in me. And I love the word reflect. We want to reflect on that. Just not about reflecting, but thinking in our minds, meditating on that. We have a lot of chance and time right now to reflect. This past week, I went on a bike ride with my family, and we rode our bikes over to the hill at our, at our church. We have this big hill, and we watched the, the sunset. And as I was watching the sunset, just thinking about the beautiful sunset, how wonderfully beautiful and unique every sunset is. And looking at my five kids on their bikes with their their crazy helmets on and, and all the joy that they have in the midst of all this, and just reflecting on God's faithfulness to me. It was just this moment to kinda just stop and just breathe. I had a friend this week email me. I was kind of sharing some of my anxiousness. And he said, Logan, just breathe. Just reflect on the fact that Jesus has a place in this story. And it is on a throne. And it is ruling over it all. I was listening this week to song and one of the verses by this guy named Propaganda, he said this, says about reflecting, he said, all but left with no breath and awestruck, that's wonderful. This is cause to pause, to give thought to it, Selah. See, y'all, he's a rapper, y'all ever thought about that there's never been an identical sunrise so wonderful? Wrapped in jackets of amber and strands with universe in hand and our tears in bottles, he collects them. Lined in perfect symmetry across the shelves of the throne, next to the full and accurate, accurate account of every electron everywhere and every follicle of hair on our head, modern psychology would call it obsessive compulsive. But that's only if he ain't had the bandwidth. I call it love, and it's wonderful. Would we ink the ocean fill and the expanse of the sky be stretched in parchment? Would we line with canvases the walls of our heart's apartments? All attempts to capture his image fall short, and everything his light do to me is such a beautiful eulogy. Reflect on that. I was listening to this, and my daughter came in the room, and she said, Dad, he said the word Selah. Yeah, that's your name. Actually, we have a word for this. In, 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 there's a Hebrew word for reflecting that means to stop and reflect. And I got to have this special moment with my daughter. I sat her on my lap and I said, yeah, you know, we named you that because we, we think that you are God's gift to us. And every time we say your name, every time I see your smile, every time I hear you sing, Every time you reach up to me and I think, Selah, I can pause and reflect on God's faithfulness to me and to you. And so you are a little reminder of Jesus. 
There's a verse in Psalm 46 that uses this word and these truths. In Psalm chapter 46, verse 10, I wanted to read this to you as you think about reflecting wherever you are. It says this, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah, think about it. Stop. And isn't God giving us so much opportunity to stop and think? To go watch a sunrise or a sunset. To look into his scriptures and to stop and think. To pray, to journal. To reflect on my own life and my own decisions. So I just encourage you as you think about this, as you think about listening, yes, pay attention to his glory, reflect on his place in this story, and finally choose trust over worry. Choose trust over worry. Recognizing that Jesus paid it all, that he did it all, that he's right here with us, trust him. If you want a good example of that, just look at your children. Look at the children. Look at the joy in our hearts. Look at the, the ease of our days, the laughter. Because there's a trust that mommy and daddy or whoever it is has got this. And we need to have this trust. As you think about this, as you think about this means for you, I just want to close by reading Jesus' thoughts about this trust in Matthew Matthew chapter 6, he had just talked about the treasure of the kingdom of God, this treasure, because we have this treasure, nothing else matters. And Jesus wrote this in Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 27. He said, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food? And the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. Look around. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. And hear this. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? Think about your value. Think about the value that the Son of God in all his glory would become flesh and dwell among us and live to die so that I could live. Selah. Think about that. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I just ask God that you will help us to listen. There are so many voices, there are so many things to distract us, even in our isolation, God. I pray, Lord, that you would give us those moments, those Selah moments, to reflect on sunsets and sunrises and 
deliciousness of food, sleep, and rest. And Lord, that you would help us to choose trust over worry because you value each of us. And so, Lord, as we sing of these truths, I pray, Lord, I ask God with all my heart that you would speak into our lives, that you would draw us more to you. And if there's somebody that's watching or listening, God, and they don't know you, that right now in this moment, they would just say, I believe. I believe in your glory. I believe that you are Jesus, that you are the Son of God, that you died on the cross for me, and that I am a sinner in need of your grace. So I believe. And I commit my life to you, to living for you, and I invite you to rule in my heart. We love you, Jesus. We thank you that you are here. In your name we pray, amen. In a few moments, we're going to be singing a song called Blessed Assurance. And the worship team is going to lead us in this song. This song is an beautiful song written by a lady named Fanny Crosby. At an early age, this young girl became blind from something that happened at an eye appointment. And there's a story from her and the writing of this song that I wanted to read to you as you think about the things that we've talked about. It said, one day in 1873, Aunt Fanny was visiting with a friend, Miss Joseph Knapp, a musician of sorts and a wife of the founder of the Metropolitan Life Insurance Company. During their visits, Miss Knapp played a tune on her piano, which she had recently written. She then asks Fanny, what does this tune say? Fanny, blind since a young age. Someone who had come to know Jesus and put her faith in Jesus and had a budding relationship with Jesus. After kneeling in prayer for a few moments, she rose and declared, it says, blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. And Fanny began to dictate verses to Miss Knapp, who wrote them down, fitting them to the melody just as we hear it sung today. Would you join us? And singing this beautiful melody as a response to these truths this morning.